Please listen carefully. Welcome back to the Focus Target Podcast. This is your host, Smiley, here with you uh, with Shy and Van, my two co-hosts. Season 3, episode 91, where we are going to give a definitive result of our sports bet and also talk a little bit about hockey. Um, You know, uh, we're going to talk about some, just some kind of, do a kind of ask me anything with, with me since I've been watching hockey since about sixth grade in back in 96 when the Avs moved to Colorado from Quebec. And so uh, I'm going to help with some hockey knowledge, so just some general questions that, that the, the, the fellows had uh, for everybody. Uh, and so are you guys excited for that? Are you excited for hockey? Ask me anything. Are you as excited as me, shy and fan? Yes, hockey sensei. <laughs> Senpai. <laughs> I like it. I'll, I'll allow it for sure. Um, but before we get to all that, we're going to do a quick a quick question of the day. We have a lot to get to today. I want to make sure we have time for the AMA. So um, let's try to And this is something that I think we could definitely go deep on. And so if it feels like we need something more on it, we can. But question of the day today, just uh, what, you know, last time we talked a little bit about free will and uh, we got into time travel a little bit and some, some talked in destiny, fate, things like that. So what's uh what's your favorite movie that has to do with like time travel or fate or destiny or free will or just anything kind of weird like that you know it doesn't have to be you know you know we'll allow whatever but you know what what's a movie that you think of that that involves that sort of stuff let's start with van Denay. so it's funny i was watching um back to the future one yesterday mm-hmm. and then um was it two days ago and it just happened to be Michael J. Fox's birthday, too. And Cheney's like, oh, are you watching this because of Michael J. Fox's birthday? I was like, no, that's just a stellar coincidence. I was like, I'm actually watching this to do research for a question of the day. <laughs> but that's you're not my to, answer. You're trying to verify if it was your favorite, and it turns out it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I forgot how good it was, though. I was watching. I was like, man, this is a great movie. Those are good movies. Um, yeah, for sure. No, so my, my, uh, my number one favorite time travel movie, if you will, is Interstellar. Hmm. Or at least one that has, like, time, continuum, randomness involved Hmm. in it. Um, Two scenes stuck out specifically that are just absolutely fascinating. When they crest the event horizon... No, not not when they crest the event horizon, but when they're close to a planet that is close to a black hole that it's spinning so fast that time... Because as the faster you go in space, the slower time is relative to you. Um, for those who are not moving at that speed. So then, and just the line that, that they say, and I'm going to bastardize it, but it was like, oh, you know, um, one hour here is seven minutes on, or seven years on earth. So we got to be very cautious with our time. And so that means like, if they were ever going to go back home, everything would have aged seven years for every hour that they're on that freaking planet. And that was just like fascinating how mathematically that works out to be correct. Um, and then the other one, of course, is when they go through the event horizon and they actually end up in this construct from higher beings that allow them to communicate back in time to his daughter in a previous dimension and all that fun stuff. So it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. If you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend it. It's one of those movies where the first time you watch it, you're going to be like, okay, that was a lot of cool graphics and some weird things happen. And then like the second time you watch it, you're like, oh, I kind of understand it a little bit better. And then third time, fourth time, it has that matrix effect where the more you watch it, the more it just starts to feel more familiar, understandable. You can kind of preemptively pay attention to scenes that you didn't understand quite so much before and tie it together. So, but it's a absolute fascinating movie and it's Matthew McConaughey. Everybody loves Matthew McConaughey. 
I like that first scene that you're talking about too, because it's that they're on that ocean planet, and yeah. like just the, like that giant tidal wave that comes is really oh cool. gnarly, right? Yeah, I, I uh, thought that was a cool. Uh, we saw that in theaters, and I thought that was pretty neat. Well, the scene when they get back to the ship because they left a mem- crew member on the ship behind, yeah. and when they get back, and he is what seven to fourteen years older. And he just yeah. look. They look at him. And he's got a beard, and he and just like yeah. it really like solidifies your mind. Like time isn't like like yeah. we experience time, and we think like time is like a set thing. Like uh, you know, but uh, yeah, that boggled my mind. That whole scene. <clears throat> yeah, All right. Amazing. Well, what about you? What about you, Shy? So mine is a, a much more of like an indie film, and I don't know if either of you have ever seen it. Have either of you ever seen Donnie Darko, the movie? Is that really an indie film? I mean, maybe it's not. I mean, I, I, think it was pretty, I always felt it was pretty popular. It's, it was it's pretty like a cult classic. It's a cult classic. I mean, like classic. indie as yeah. in like low budget, I guess. Maybe that's what I said. Okay. You know what I mean, it doesn't like it has well-known actor, like a well-known actor, actors, but oh, it's, yeah, not like, actors. it's not big budget. It's not major special effects. Dude, freaking Seth um, Rogen, Patrick Swayze, Drew Barrymore. Really? Wait, that's they what were, I was gonna say. Didn't, wait, they were, man, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh, the only one I think, yeah. the only one I remember is Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal, the main actor. I don't remember. Yeah, Jake Seth, Gyllenhaal. I don't think I knew who Seth Rogen was at the time, honestly. Like, I don't it think wasn't, I it was, him. it was kind of before um, his, man, uh, I don't need to go back and watch that again. But like, I remember like that came out in college and it was kind of this like weird cult classic because like the, the, the bunny with a knife, like there was like, ah, oh, there's like this creepy bunny with a knife. But I remember when I took intro to philosophy or maybe it was, what was it i think i took metaphysics and there were a couple movies that our teacher like required us to watch one was 12 monkeys which is another really good time travel mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. and one was donnie darko and like i don't really remember exactly how even time travel like played i just i remember it being a super weird movie but like the like there was like that like a worm like almost like a metaphysical thing that would like lead him around and like like and he would do things and it was like i don't i think that was a representation of like what he was gonna do or like a timeline basically and like smiley's looking at me being like you're bastardizing this plot um, i i haven't seen uh, die dargo since i was in high school so i don't remember it very much that's really. all i remember is like this weird thing and it somehow i think represented like a timeline and like he would like mm-hmm. act it out and like and it was i don't know it was just a really intriguing film and just thought really well done and not just like this weird like cliched blockbuster where it's a time heist kind of movie you know what i mean like which are fun and and, and great but like they don't you know back to the future where there's a ton of paradoxes and no actual thought. <laughs> All right, uh, no, that's good. That's good. I I I have to watch Time Darko again. I forgot there was really even time travel. That's rude. Like I said, it's been a long, it's been a long time. Um, so for mine, mine is more along the lines of Vance. It's less about time travel, more about time dilation. Um, and there were some really really tough choices here, but uh, the one I have to go with is um, Inception. Um, mm, I really love Inception. Yeah, I, and just that that idea that you could stretch time out uh, to be, you know, kind of almost infinitesimal by going deeper and deeper into dreams. Um, what what a cool concept! And like, you know, if if that um, was true, like the ramifications of what you could do with that, like it's a almost a path towards Im- immortality in a way. Um, the idea where like if you could do that you could live hundreds of lifetimes in the span of your own. Um, it's, it's a fascinating idea. And it always, I, I just love that movie. So not like the most time travel centric or, but um, certainly I think. It, you think Elon Musk is going to get us there with his no, I, implants no, Somehow I doubt into it. his brain? You never know, but apparently he sold everything, all his assets, yeah. except for one house. 
so that he could focus literally on all of his primary objectives, getting people to Mars, the implant thing with the brain, Tesla, hmm. all that stuff. So, yeah. That might be an interesting podcast to do at some yeah. point, too. Like, I think there's a little bit Just of... Elon Musk podcast. Yeah. I think we can interview we'll, we'll... him. Van, can you pull some strings? Get him on the show? On? Yeah. Get, him on, get him on the show? I'll, I'll tweet him. He's 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 um unique enough to where I would not be surprised hmm. if he was like, sure, I'll go on your one person podcast and maybe blow you guys we, up maybe we here. let him smoke on it so he can have a big old blunt and be like, <laughs> like in that, like that meme everybody likes to point out yeah. all like, right well <laughs> if you if you have a, a favorite time travel fate destiny free will type movie that you'd like to tell us about that you'd like us to discuss uh, or like us to inform us about uh, our information will be at the show for how you can contact us and we'd love to hear from you so let's get on to hockey so we had a bet famously on this on this podcast or on this pod. We uh, we our primary bet the in the terms of which was one retail full price video game, sixty dollar value, for whoever between the Golden Knights and the Avalanche could advance further into the twenty twenty one postseason. And last night that was decided as the Avalanche lost their fourth straight game to Golden Knights Incredible. after a two, two, two game lead after winning six, their first six in a row in the playoffs and like 13 of their last 14 in the regular season, they dropped four in a row to Vegas and Incredible. are done. So, uh, Van, you know, let me know what, you know, if you know now, or if you, you could tell the pod, if not, you have to follow up and let the people know. What you picked. I don't know how long. Uh, remember, remember that your value is actually sixty five dollars, because you gave me five bonus us on the. Uh, yeah, well, I might have to. I might have to give you an extra five. Oh no, I shouldn't because it's a PC game. Okay. So twenty forty two, trailer was just the reveal trailer was just announced. Now okay. I don't think the game comes out till October, so that's going to be a while away. I'm sure I'll I'll think of something before then. But immediately when I when I thought of our wager that was the first game that came to mind I was like ooh you know what 2042 it's a game he knows I'm going to play hours and hours of so it'll be worth it oh yeah well you know you can you know call it in the favor when you're ready but uh yeah just remember you have 65 to spend and cool. when when you decide what to do with it for sure we'll have to let the podcast know I do think that like it struck me and maybe it's just cuz I lost but that like it's kind of like kicking a man when he's down. It's like not only did my team get knocked down, now I gotta I, buy you a it's video. Kind game. of brutal. We really ought to the other way around. It was yeah. kind of should be the other way around, because especially because like you still have something to do. Like if right. anybody needs a new game to kind of right. console it's... them and get them, you know, fill the three hour gaps that are going to be in my in my evenings now. You know, it would be me. So I the you know, same thing. we might have to flip that next time. I'd I'd this. The bet had escaped my mind until I saw it on the podcast too, and then I was like, "Oh, f- crap!" Now we got to do a podcast recap on top of it too, and I was like, "This is not comfortable." It's all good. But it is what it is, and you're uh, you're a man of your word. So yeah, 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 indeed. Well, it was a good series. It was, uh, you know, I, I think um, it's a wild series, dude. It was. It was we could spend a whole crazy. podcast talking about the series. It's just we out could. of control. And, and maybe we'll get back to it a little bit um, if we have time at the end. You know, depending how fast we run through some of these questions, but. Um, you know, I will say that Shy. You know, it, if what, we have time at the end, he just <laughs> rolls his eyes. Well, you know, this is a little bit different of a format, though. Yeah, this we'll is see. more of yeah. a, you know, yeah. we've never really done one like this before. And so pro- you're you're absolutely right. We probably won't. But you just never know. Right. You, we're doing something a little bit different. Um, but I do want to say, you know, I think that there's a good chance that especially considering the division 
that the Golden Knights are in, unless the new the newcomer Kraken end up being a real powerhouse. Uh, you know, I think the Avs and the Golden Knights yeah. could meet again in the next yeah. couple of years. I think they're both going to be around. And uh, the more exciting thing is, since we were we had to have this head-to-head matchup in the second round this year because of the COVID, the COVID reorganization. The cool thing is, should the Avs and the Golden Knights meet in the playoffs in the future, it would most likely be in the conference finals, which will have a little bit more, perhaps a little bit more weight to it. So, yeah. Can I stir the yeah, pot I was a little ask bit? About that, like, oh. yeah. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, check. Well, no, why don't you, Van? I'll wait till after. Well, I was just going to ask him about the. I don't think we have org structure as one of our questions, right? It was like, how is it going to differ next year versus versus this year? Because I certainly don't remember, you know, in previous years, the Avs and the Shark Kings and the Ducks all being in the same division. But then, unlike football, they don't have a national and American division. So, like, how do they separate these? teams well, that are so geographically so close to one another well let's let shy do it and then we'll actually open the ama with it's a that. good yeah that'd be better <laughs> segue cool. i was gonna try to stir the pot and say maybe if you're talking about this proposed rivalry between the golden knights and the abs maybe we should uh start bet 2.0 and it could be you know which team wins the most playoff meetings in the next like three to five years and uh you know loser Man. has to buy the other person <laughs> As which pro, you know? Just the other person? Oh, okay. You mean, you mean a Switch Pro, pro Plus? Oh, yeah. A, what, what, no, a Super yeah, Nintendo, a Super Nintendo Switch Pro? <laughs> Maybe their flight to the next uh, Palooza we A do? house, know, you know? Something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, that would be fun to do, uh, like, a three-way bet between the three teams. That would be. And that way, it could be something a little bit more expensive because the two losers right. could pool their – like they could split the cost of whatever the third person's was. So that could be kind of a way to make it a little bit bigger without – I mean, you don't have to call them losers. Too... Well, <laughs> that's what happens when you don't win. Like, for example, Smiley's this, feeling this, it. I Smiley's, am the loser. Smiley's really right? feeling it. I lost. It. It's right, just should... it's semantics, right? Like, we're asking you questions. So, yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's it. I got to take my hats off. To the Golden Knights, they did what they needed to do. They, you know, they got they 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 outplayed the Avalanche for some enough of the games, and they, you know, if they did the one thing really well, it was they took advantage of their opportunities, and that is what the Avalanche were not able to do. Um, because I think if each scoring chance in the series had been a goal, then the Avs would have won this in six. Especially so, uh, the last game, yeah. The Avs just, goals. they dominated yeah. games five yep. and six, and Flurry mm-hmm. was great, and they couldn't get enough past them, and when they had their chances, they they buried them, and that's, you know, that's, that's what, it's a funny thing about hockey, like, just some of those shots are so impossible, I'm like, how did those go in, like, and that's not by mistake, you're telling me that was intentional? Like it's out it, of it's control. amazing what they can do. Yeah, especially when you see guys tipping things and yeah, you know, or do you think do you the think like going that, 100 uh, miles an hour and they're Alex, the right angle, that the Alex right Tuck goal from Game Five where he like whacked it out of midair and just popped it past. Yeah, I mean, okay. There was some there were some really cool goals. Um, Crazy, you know, good stuff. But all right, ask me anything, Sensei Smiley. In the house, we'll, we'll start, start with that division with question. Division of the conference. So this year, they had to. So basically, in general, the NHL currently is split into an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference. Each conference has two divisions: the Metropolitan and the 
I, I don't care about the Eastern Conference, so I actually have to look this up. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Something about <laughs> the first I question. I can I never remember. Think, I thought it would take a few questions to get them. I can never <laughs> remember if it's the uh, the South or the, the East or I forget what they call it on, in the East. In the uh, Well, he's looking that up, Shy. Do you remember when we had a, a Jeopardy question like five years ago? And one of the Jeopardy questions was just name three hockey teams, and like none of us could do it. I don't remember that. <laughs> it's but... Like, boy, how far we've come. We kill that now. <laughs> oh, no. like name three players. Name <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, it's the Atlantic Division, Atlantic and Metropolitan right. in the East. In the Western Conference, it's a little bit easier. It's the Pacific and the Central, right? So you got the Pacific, which is the three California teams. Um, San Jose, LA, Anaheim, the three West Western ish Canadian teams, which is Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver and Phoenix, uh, or I think Arizona now, and now the Kraken will be, and then of course, Vegas came over there. Now I believe, I believe next year, I'm not hundred percent sure about this, but I'm pretty sure next year the Kraken will come into that Pacific division and the uh, Coyotes, Arizona will be moving to the central so that it's yeah. actually even numbers. The central is where the avalanche live. Of course, Chicago, Dallas, Minnesota, St. Louis, um, uh, Arizona will be there next. Um, who am I forgetting? Nashville. And then uh, the Atlantic is kind is um, the like everything like so the Metropolitan is like basically like the New York area for the most part. It's like Washington, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Devils, um, the Penguins, and then they also get and the Flyers. So like that kind of Philly, Washington, yeah. New York area, yeah. and then they also get some of the the kind of south a little bit of the southeast fellas the the her the carolina and and columbus get lumped in there and then the atlantic is basically everybody else on the east coast so you got the florida teams in the lightning and the panthers you got the canadian teams the maple leafs the canadians oh winnipeg is the other team that's in the central i knew i was forgetting somebody so with regard to our three teams how do our they look with one another so they'll all be in the western conference which means that the latest they could meet in the in the, on the road to the Stanley Cup I would mean, be the finals. Western Conference Finals. Yep. Right. Um, the Kraken and the Golden Knights will be in the same division, the Pacific, which is at least at least this year was much weaker. So that's what the like, Kings those teams and were much oh, they were King, so bad. Yep. Sharks, Cal- Ducks, all, all the California yeah. teams and all the Canadian teams and you two basically. Um, and then the so. So the way the playoffs are formatted in the NHL, at least again, this is pre-COVID, so we assume we're going back to this format next year. Right. I haven't actually heard that officially, but that that's we're we're assuming that we're going back to that same format that we were that we were in. So next season in the playoffs, the way it works is the number one there's basically the top 3 teams in each division get into the playoffs Mm -hmm. the two division winners are one and two then the next two in each division are three four five six in some order and then the there's two more wild card teams that can come from either division right like historically the last number of years before again before covid 
the Central Division has actually had five. They've had both wild cards, and the Pacific has only had the three get in. But at least three from each division are guaranteed to get in. And then the way it works is one plays eight, two plays seven, and yeah. the two and three in each division always play each other, regardless of their re- their records. So basically, you, you tend to have divisional matchups uh, other than the wild card. Then, in the second round, the... Assuming that if the divi- the division winners went on to win, which normally they would, they play the winner of their divisional matchup, regardless of if they were one and two and, and how it works out. So yep. typically you play within your division until you get to the to That's the exhausted. Yeah. Yes. That's basically how that works. Um, so that's what I was saying before is typically the – avalanche would meet either the kraken or the golden knights in the in either if they're not very good potentially in the wild card matchup but otherwise it would be in the western conference finals whereas you guys will more likely play each other in the second round um should you get that far first round yeah. and second round uh there's i guess it would be possible for the kraken and the golden knights to meet in the western conference finals though it would be it would take a, an unlikely you know combination of improbable uh, possible but yeah. improbable <clears throat> yeah maybe both of you being like if you were the two wild card teams maybe that could happen and then you but you still were able to win up through that that could that'd be a way that could cool. happen. <clears throat> that explains it so yeah um all right cool all right what um is your next question smile i got a question for you and i think yeah. this might be a quick one but uh coming from the nfl and the nfl draft i was used to the order of selection in a draft being purely based on your team's record at the end of the season uh, but the NHL uses something called a lottery draft, which um, yep. I was surprised by. And I was wondering, like, how would the Kraken would pick? And I kind of observed this recently. They did the selection. But I'm curious if you could explain to our viewers, like, what a lottery draft looks like. Yeah. So um, it's similar to what they do in the NBA. Um, and, and a lot of a lot of leagues, I guess, do this type of thing. But notably, as you said, not the NFL. Um, what it is, is it. It make I believe the lottery, and you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I believe the reason they do a lottery is, to, is for these leagues that have a longer season, like the basketball and hockey. You've got 80 games. When you're a bad team, you kind of know sometimes that you're not going to make the playoffs. Sometimes, you know, 20, 30 games out from mm-hmm. the end of the season. And so what they want to do is they want to – to put in a reason to not necessarily tank for the lowest pick. And um, I feel like there are much smarter ways to do it than a lottery, but for some reason, a lottery to say, you know, just cause you finished last doesn't guarantee that you're going to get the first pick. So you might as well not worry about it, you know? Um, so what they do is they take all the teams that don't make the playoffs are, are entered into the lottery and they Based, based on your final ranking, regular season ranking, you're giving odds to win the number one pick based on um, based on the, the worse you did, the higher your odds. So if you finish dead last, you have the highest chance of getting that number one pick. But it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the actual odds turned out to be. I didn't actually watch the draft this year. Uh, but usually, usually it's pretty good, but not good. Like, you know, it's like around maybe around 50% for the worst team. And then the next to worst team has, uh, you know, a, another percent chance of 
of of get of moving up potentially, right? And so typically, what they do is they'll they'll do a lottery not for the not to re redo the entire order, but they'll do a lottery for the first three picks in the draft. Mm. So they'll roll third, second, and first. Um, uh, and then if so, if your team gets it, you basically just move up in the list. So let's say they you do the lottery and. The, the, it goes by the chalk, right? The team that had the best odds, the last place team gets the first pick. The team that got second worst gets the second pick. And the team that got third worst gets the third pick. Okay, so in that case, nothing changes, right? If instead, though, let's say the sixth ranked team wins the first overall pick. Basically, they just move to the top and they get number one and then everybody else moves down. So in that way, if you're the worst team in the league, the worst you could possibly pick is fourth if three teams from below you jump happen to jump ahead of you, right? That's what happened to the Avalanche the year that they finished last in the league. Um, they had the best odds to get the top pick. They got passed by three other teams and fell to fourth, which everybody was like, could this season get any worse? But uh, by lucky happenstance, they got to draft Kale McCarr that year and i think are very happy about it because he's turned out to yeah. be a better player than any of the three taken before him so hmm. um you know sometimes those things work out but cool but yeah Thank that's you. how that works now there's it's a little bit of a different hmm. wrinkle this year and do you want to talk about the the expansion draft should we touch on that just briefly yeah do you want i, I mean do you want to yeah that's worth it probably <clears throat> sure so with the expansion draft Basically, before the regular draft, the the new team, in this case Seattle, will have an opportunity to pick one player from each of the 30 other teams. Then you say, why not 31 teams? Because there's 31 teams. Because Vegas, being a recent expansion, is exempt from the draft. So they don't get to, to, to pick from Vegas. So, But the other 30 teams all have to give up one player to the Kraken. Now, the nice thing about the draft for those people is uh, the Kraken don't just get to take the best team off of every player and make a super team. Uh, each team gets to protect a certain number of players. Um, and that number varies based on how they have a couple options of how they want to do it. They can protect more players if they only protect a certain amount at each position, or if they want to protect say more forwards or more defensemen than they're allowed, they can overall protect less players in order to, focus on one particular position but overall each team gets to protect basically eight or nine of their top guys and the kraken get to to pick from from there and when they do pick them everything transfers over it's like they just signed them off that team so whatever contract they're under transfers wow. over and they're they are uh responsible for so what these guys are making how long their contracts yeah. are comes into play it's not just about the player they have to mm -hmm. you know if somebody's on a good contract or a bad contract like they have to take that into into account um and so then yeah, that's crazy after that draft happens when the real draft happens the kraken get they were entered into the draft lottery as well and i don't think they you watched it, didn't you? They didn't move up, did they? They did. They were the only. They so okay. basically, I think the top three were the Buffalo Sabers, and then I think it was the Anaheim Ducks, and then it was the Kraken. Were like based on odds, and the Kraken got two, so they knocked the Ducks got down two. to three. So they normally would have been basically inserted 
as the third pick yeah. and they moved up in the draft from the draft lottery. Okay. So they'll get to pick second there. So, so, and then after that, they're basically treated just like, just like any other team. And if they play their cards, right, they can do what the Vegas golden Knights did, which was basically have a team that's been to the playoffs every year of their existence and is now headed for their third conference finals in four years, which not a bad way to come into the league, you know? Thank you. Sure. All right. I got one. All right. Add a little excitement to these these questions as well. Not that the other ones weren't that exciting. But how are fights or scuffles handled? I, I feel like sometimes people are ripping off gloves. Sometimes helmets are falling off. Sometimes they're on the ground. Sometimes the officials are stopping it and sometimes they're not. And I just don't understand any rhyme or reason to any of it. Sure. Well, uh, that's because there kind of isn't any. Um, it's very, it's very subjective. It kind of depends what you know, which refs are working the game, what they want, how the game is going, and what they want to allow and not. Um, the general rule of thumb is if two players drop their gloves, right? They both take their gloves off. That's considered an official hockey fight. If the gloves come off and they start throwing mm -hmm. fisticuffs generally not always but generally the refs will let them have that out to a certain extent um and then once either one guy goes down or it's you know they just kind of lock up and aren't doing much or if one of the refs thinks that a guy is like in danger of or for something yeah they'll come in and break it up but usually they'll let them you know take a couple shots at each other you know kind of work like it out standing by watching like, yeah hey, yeah man, this, is, this is your good it, scrap it is too. it's like a i don't know if it's a minor or a major penalty but you cannot interfere with an ongoing fight no, so no. if two dudes are locked up if two dudes have dropped the gloves and a third person comes in the rest will immediately yeah, try to stop yeah, that right, and sure. that part like i think it might be a 10 minute misconduct and a and a wow. game check. like it's but the like, two people fighting they can, right. they can get scrappy. Yeah, they well they don't yeah, they don't want a They're third guy coming up though, from right? behind and, and sucker punching you know, someone. <laughs> yeah. Like it and you just I think there's also as part of like the code of hockey. Like if two yeah. guys square up and drop the gloves, like you don't get involved in that. Like I've right. never once getting seen, sucker punched. Nobody's getting I'm, choked yeah. at that in, point. Like in that case two guys yeah. making a decision. Yeah. That's right. Yep. I never never once have I seen like a third guy trying to come in and yeah. like because that would be not only disrespectful to the game but like that's disrespects your own guy as much just like you yeah. don't think you don't think yeah, i can handle this gonna, like let yeah, me handle exactly. this right like like that yeah <laughs> um but yeah so so in that case that's considered a five minute major for fighting to both players right Whoa. so both players will go off for five minutes uh no since it's matching five minute majors it's not like a four on four hmm. for five minutes it's just those huh. players are just unavailable and you'll see that because it's not a power play or a you know a, a man disadvantage or a man redu reduction that those players actually can't come out. The five minute major tends to be actually more than five minutes because they can't come out of the box until the stoppage after the penalty expires. So, for example, I think we saw this in one of the the games with the Golden Knights. We were we were talking about that. Like if let's say two guys get five minute majors for fighting, right? They serve five minutes and fifty eight seconds, and then there's a whistle. Okay, and they go to drop the puck. Well, they don't get to come out yet because their penalty's not up. Yeah. Once the puck's dropped and the five minutes has elapsed, now they can come out, but not till it stops. So if there's not a stoppage for another four minutes, five minutes, like those guys still can't come out. They're still not available to their team. So, like, and is that because technically you still have five? <clears throat> yeah, because there's five. Right. Yeah, there's five. There's on too many it. men on the field. 
so to speak. Too many men on the ice. And like it, it's, I think it's just a rule too. Like, because you would think depending who's in the box, you might really want that guy to yeah. come out, especially if it's one of your good but. players. Like, couldn't you just like send out four and like, let him come out. But right. I don't think like they don't open the penalty box in, right. in, in, until a stoppage in that situation. So, um, and is that for all major penalties you said? No, that's for okay, specifically so for fighting because it. they're matching. Generally, rarely do you also do you have matching majors in other parts of the game, in which case yeah. um, you are like a major penalty. You would still be down a man. Um, the difference between a minor and a major, of course, is that on a minor penalty is two minutes. And once you get scored on, the yeah, penalty ends in a five minute major. That doesn't happen. So you can score as many times as you want. Famously, yeah, Colorado wiped like three penalties, three power play times against the Golden Knights. Well, famously, two years ago in the Sharks Golden Knights series, the Sharks were winning game seven. Like, I think it was three to one or four to two or something. They got a major penalty and the Golden Knights scored three times. Oh, took my the God. Lead, took it into overtime uh, or something and, and ended up winning the game. And it was it was insane. Like because a lot of people didn't feel like the major was really warranted there. It was yeah. the third period of a game yeah. seven and it completely, completely took, took the, the sharks out. Uh, mm-hmm. And so because of that, actually, because of that instance two years ago, now all major penalties are actually reviewed uh, mm-hmm. by the, by the, the, the referees in the team in Toronto to make sure. And like, so after they're reviewed, the, the referee gets an opportunity to either wave it off or lower it right. to a two minute. If, if they deem it wasn't actually a major because the, uh, because of that game, because of cool. a kind of a fan. So when are they going to start doing that to delay of games? Well, <laughs> delay games nice. is kind of, kind of another, well, but I mean, that's the thing about delay of games <laughs> is like delay a game is very cut and dry, right? If you put the puck over the net, like intentionally sure unintentionally but how how do you how do you judge intent versus just oh yeah if you're on their side i think you're probably not going to throw it into the stands right smiley attacking smiley brings a good point like in that i think especially like when you talk about fights and scuffles like the amount of cheap shots you see players take because they can get away with it like i mean yeah and judging intent is is hard um yeah So Dude, they're always the, grabbing collars and freaking. So that's a good point. To, to yeah. answer the same, so that was the official. That's the official fighting, right? Yeah. But you're also talking about the scuffles, and there's a lot of it's a lot of scuffling. There's a lot of you know coming together and, and elbows you know, and a lot of yeah. a lot Cuddling. of things that you wonder how is that not a penalty? Yeah. Um, again, that's it's very subjective. A lot of times, the the magic thing you do is if you th- if you actually throw a punch. A lot of times that's where they'll ding you. If you see a guy, you know, take a shot at yeah. somebody, that's what they usually call that, assuming they see it. I like um, the elbow lot... or grabbing the collar and just like jank- yep. yanking them. Or... A lot of times you'll see if guys kind of get into it pretty heavily like that, they'll get matching minors for like mm-hmm. roughing, you know. Yeah. And in that case, a lot of times it is a four-on-four situation. Um, generally... If there's matching minors and then an additional penalty on one side or another, they don't go four on three. The mm. in that case, it'll be more like a fighting situation where they'll cancel the twos out, put the guys in the box, have a four on five on four, and then the other yeah. two guys just don't get to come out until um, until the penalties are over and there's a stoppage. But it it is that that part. It's very, you know, and you know, you can hear sometimes the the refs talking. 
to the players. Uh, usually it doesn't pick it up, but like the refs talk a lot and say, listen, like, you know, break this up or, or one of you guys is going, you know, or I'm sending both of you off or whatever. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of at the ref's discretion. It depends what the game is like. A lot of times if games start to get out of hand, they'll start handing out the penalties a little bit more liberally yeah. to try to calm things down and say, hey, <laughs> we're not just going to keep doing this. Otherwise you're going to the box. Whereas if, you know, if it's not that out of control, sometimes they just let the guys jostle. But and it's, like, hard. it's hard. <laughs> I understand that as a parent. <laughs> sometimes and regulating you just that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right, I'm not going to keep threatening you. I'm not going to keep arguing. We're just, yeah. I got one for you. All right. Um, watching hockey recently i've noticed that there's shot counters on the screen yep. and it's a pretty important statistic in the game because you're basically seeing how much each team is shooting and then how much they're scoring goals and, and and figuring that out but i noticed that not every time you know the announcers will be like ah shot went wide or shot you know they, they use the word shot but it doesn't correlate with what is shown on the shot counter yeah. and so That's what like to the best of your ability what what is a shot like what counts as a shot that goes on a shot it's, shot actually, it's actually pretty <clears throat> easy um, an official, what's considered a shot on goal for the purposes of the, of the, of the statistic is a shot that is directed towards the net that the goalie has to make a save on or that goes in, mm. right? If, uh, there's a little bit of subjectivity, if they decide that like, you know, it's such a, like, sometimes it comes in so soft that like was that a shot or did like the goalie like what it wasn't really gonna go in like but like basically it has to like if you imagine like if the goalie is not there would it have gone in the net so a lot of times if they shoot high and the goalie reaches up and grabs it with his glove it doesn't actually count as a shot uh. because like that wasn't going in anyway uh. that's not really a save right he didn't save it from going in he just grabbed the puck as if you know no more than if it was just coming around the boards and he stopped it. That's not a save. That's going to retrieve the puck. So that's the key. The, a lot of times now, because that shot metric can be a little bit um, misleading, they actually have a different statistic a lot of times that they'll show you, which is shots directed towards the net. Because oh. there's a number of things that prevent a shot directed towards the net from counting. One is how many times did you miss the net? Two, how many times did the shot get blocked? If a right. player blocks like a the player. shot yeah. by a player, not the goalie, obviously, that'd be a save. Yeah. But yeah, if, if the if the defenseman or whatever gets in the way and blocks it, that doesn't count as a shot either. It counts as a shot block. Um, and then, of course, if you hit the post, it does not count as a shot mm. because it wasn't going into the net. Like, obviously, unless it's mm. posted in, it counts as a goal. But so anytime it hits the iron, you'll notice that does not mm. tally as a shot, um, even though it was, it was very close. So, so a lot of times especially if a team, you know, I mean, I think we saw it a couple times in that Vegas series Vegas did a great job. They're a very good shot blocking team, um, blocking with sticks, blocking with bodies. Um, you know, the avalanche had a lot of shots directed towards the net that did not make it on either. Cause they were blocked or cause they missed. Um, they missed, especially in that game six, they missed a lot of really good shots. So, uh, yeah. So, so, more and more we're seeing that shot directed at net statistic, which I think is valuable to take into account. Cool. Color me. Because it kind of measures like a whole team performance as opposed to just the yeah. goalie kind of thing. Yeah, well yeah, yeah kinda of, yeah, exactly. Yep. All right. I got a what could be a lengthy question, but it's probably a, like my most important question or thing right. to understand. But I'll, sure. I I certainly don't want to spend 
too much time on it because we're not even halfway through our questions. <laughs> but um, like, how are players organized as far as like lines and shifts and substitutions? Like they talk about like, oh, the fourth line or the second line, but it's not like all five players. Sometimes it's only three. And then so mm -hmm. which two stay out, which two don't like walk, walk me through that kind of stuff. All right. So you you're the basic team and this isn't mandated, but most teams on any given night roll out 12 forwards, six defensemen, two goalies, your starter and your backup. That's the 20, you're allowed 20 players and that's the typical setup. Uh, there are times when you can play with 11 forwards and seven defensemen. You can play with 13 forwards and five defensemen. Yeah. Um, but typically that's what, what you do is, is 12, six and two. The 12 forwards are divided into four forward lines of three each, right? Typically, and these lines, mm. sometimes they get mixed and matched during the game as players, like they're not set in stone, but yeah. for the most somebody part. somebody breaks a stick, they're going to want to get them off the ice quickly and then right. somebody and then, else yes. pop in or something. Or, you know, sometimes guys get caught out there for a long time. Like they, one guy goes to change, but then the puck gets turned over. And so now you got two guys on mm. one line who are back and the other guy from the next line's already on. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, they can't, the other guys can't leave because they're in, they're in trouble now. So, so it's right. not a hard and fast thing, but what the purpose of the lines is, is, is for, is for um, chemistry, right. For communication, for like getting to know each other, playing with the same people, learning how they work, what you can expect from them. Um, that's the, the benefit of keeping a line together is you get that familiarity. And so you see that with some of the great lines. I mean, the Landis Cog McKinnon ranted in line for the avalanche is well known for being one of the, they've been together for a long time. They, um, kind of know where each other's are going to go on the ice. They work very well together. And like that helps with the passing and the timing and things like that. So typically your top two lines, which is called your top six are basically like for the most part, your best players, right? Most teams have their top six are like their two, their six best scoring players in some order. Um, and you, you know, they kind of get organized based on chemistry, right? Your third line traditionally is what's called the checking line, um, which is tends to be your more better defensive players. Like historically, like every coach has a different philosophy. Every game has a different philosophy, but you know, we saw it a little bit in the avalanche Vegas series, right? The third line tends to be your better defensive forwards. And so if you have the match, if you're the home team and you get to choose the matchups, you would generally want to put your third line your checking line against their top scores to try to limit them. You want your first line to be against either their second line or their fourth line. Uh, so you like, that's one of the ways you can get a matchup advantage, right? Like you want your best offensive players going against their worst defensive players and your best defensive players going against their best offensive players to try and shut them down. So that's where some of the line matching strategy comes yeah. in. And then your fourth line tends to be like, everybody else right like the guys who like so, you know for vegas i think it's a little bit different vegas their fourth line is more their defensive line right that's yeah Reeves their fourth line Polestar. is like yeah they're the kind regulators of yeah carrier and more typically yeah. like you know the the enforcers the regulators right. the the heavier checking guys you know the, yeah. i mean third and fourth line are often um interchangeable especially on a lot of different teams like it just depends how your team is built and what you've got you know um and every team cool. is a little bit different 
Yeah, it's kind of cool, like, because I'm watching their, I'm looking at their line right now, especially their lines, and it's pretty neat, like, in watching them for the past, you know, 14 games in a row, like, you see the people on the first line, and it's Max, you know, it's Pacioretty, Stevenson, and Stone, and you see how fast they are, how often they score, and all that stuff. Defensively, they're involved or whatnot, but then as you go down the lines, you totally see, like, the people bulk up, they, they get a little more defensive, they're less taking shots on goals, and things like that, like, yeah, yeah it's pretty neat. Well, you know, from from a Vegas point of view, like Marchesol, Carlson, and um, yeah, the second line Smith. Yeah, Smith. Like they've been together basically since the beginning of the the Golden Knights. Like they were all from yeah. that first year, and that's so like a that's line, a, that's a line that they keep together because of the chemistry. They work very well together. They know where they're going to be. Like you could break those guys up, but then they don't maybe have the same. They're kind of more than the sum of their parts in a way. Right. right when you're when you have a line so that's the benefit of that your defense which is six players is in pairs of two for the most part um yeah. again like the avalanche very famously this year really shuffled their defensemen a lot and even during the series uh have like everybody kind of play with everybody but typically you do the same thing with defensemen you have your left and your right defensemen you pair them up into three group into three pairings your top pair tends to be the your best defenders that you want to be out on the ice against the, your opponent's top line you got your middle two which are you know your next up guys and your third two which tend to not play as much because defensemen can play a lot longer because they don't have to go quite as much back and forth you tend to see defensemen will play longer minutes than forwards Mm -hmm. and so that's one of the reasons they don't need four pairs they you know those three play bigger shares of the game and also like your top defensive players tend to play a lot like yeah, like Petrangelo, I see him out there all the he's time. He's out I'm like, all, he's every day for 60 yes. minutes. Like, what the fuck? What's yeah. going on? That's how it is. Like, your top pairing is, <laughs> tends to be on basically every other shift. So, it's accurate. Um, That's super helpful. And then I'm, yeah. I'm looking at these lines, and I didn't even realize that they have a first power play unit line and a second power play unit depending on i guess who's in the penalty box and stuff yeah. so that's we'll talk we'll talk about pen, power play penalty kill i think if we get time for it that's uh we we have a little bit more cool. that. thanks man that was it, actually super helpful and it, digestible two more little things to mention so like the reason like even though there's five players on the ice the reason that they're not set into lines of five is for one because you have an un balanced number right you got four right. lines in the forwards and three lines in the, in the back but also you don't want everybody changing at once mm. you don't yeah. want all five of your players <laughs> going to the bench for a change yeah. at the exact same time Regal. and so in yeah. this way you stagger right like you can change your forward lines your defensemen are still out there you can change your defense while your forwards have the puck in the offensive yeah. zone and you're not leaving the ice unattended right leaving your right. goalie out by himself um on the power play, that's a little bit different, right? Because the power play is a different animal. You do tend to have your power play is a group of five. Generally PP one is a group of five. PP two is a group of five um, because, because of that. But often on um, most power plays play four forwards and one defenseman on the power play. Hmm. So unless you have two really good defensive, like offensive, uh, even in the avalanche, you have great offensive defensemen still play four and one on their first power play and three and two on their second. So, so yeah, there that's you go. Cool. All right, cool. what's next? That, that makes a makes a lot of sense. Appreciate that. Sure. Smiley, I uh, having watched hockey a bunch recently, I was surprised by something. I thought of hockey as a game traditionally played on the ice, where the puck stayed on the ice. Um, I was surprised how much time the puck spends in the air, and honestly, yeah. how many times people touch it with their with their gloves. Um, yeah. Could you explain a little bit about why why this is even legal in this game? Like, 
What a. I think a lot of people probably think of it like soccer, where you're literally, if you touch the ball with your hand, it's a handball. And like, yeah, you literally and cannot. Penalty. Touch and, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't do that, right? In hockey, that's not the case. The rule in hockey is you cannot close your hand on mm. the puck at any time, whether it's in the air or on the ground. Um, if you close your hand on the puck in the crease, it's a penalty shot. Um, What's but in the if crease? You, uh, the crease is the little blue area where the goalie lives. Got it. So if like the puck is like there to like if if a guy tries to like cover the puck for the goal that's not yeah. the goalie that is yeah. illegal that's not just a penalty it's a penalty shot hmm. um, but otherwise closing your hand on the puck is a penalty it's a it's a it's I don't know if it's considered a delay a game or if it's its own penalty but uh, you don't see it too much but every every What's now and then you will what <clears throat> I, I just said I'm not closing sure. The puck. I, it's, oh, gotcha. gotcha. It's, 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 I don't know if it ha- if it's if the penalty they is actually. They called it one time, and I was I was confused did. because yeah, they called it, and it didn't look to me any different than the rest of the time when they bat it down. Yeah, it was because they he, felt like grabbed he held it. it and he, yeah, you can't like so you can reach up and you can basically swat at it, right? right. Like if yeah. you grab like it and kind of just it. direct yeah. it yeah. down, push it, yeah. they say that's okay. But if you grab it and try to drop it or throw it yeah. or direct it that way. Yeah. That's where they draw the line. And again, yeah, there's a little bit of subjectivity like, there. Grab, swing, and then he, he placed yeah, it. Yeah, it wasn't. He was like trying. That. Like, he knew yeah. what he was doing, right? Like, he was trying right. to kind of get away with one. But right. yes, I, I do remember that play. And uh, I, I think they called it a hand pass, if I remember correctly. No, no. Yeah, no. they said hand something. All right. So, no, so no, a, hand, a, hand pass is, a hand pass is a little bit different. A hand pass All is right. not a penalty, it's a stoppage. It's more like icing or offsides, which right. I think we may have an offside question coming up here too. But uh, that's just a stoppage in play. And it kind of comes out. Whoever the offending team is kind of the, the face off doesn't benefit them basically where it is. Um, a hand, so the, the, here's the thing to know about hand passes though. If you're in your own defensive zone, it's legal to pass it with your hand. You still can't close your hand on the puck, but like you can like push it if it's on the ice or swat it to another oh, wow. player. Right. As long as you're in your own defensive zone, you're allowed to do that. You cannot do that in the neutral zone or the offensive zone, nor can you pass it from the defensive zone to the neutral <laughs> zone or the offensive zone. So you can't like push it up the ice. And again, if you touch it, it's not a like go to the box penalty. It's just a stoppage and, and we do it again. But so um, that's something that confuses people sometimes is that you'll get these hand passes that are whistled, but then you'll see somebody pass it with your hand and you're like, yeah. hand pass. You're like, oh, well, why didn't he call that? Right. It's all in the defensive zone. It's legal for your team. So, well, that's, that, that's one that took me a while. Cause I was like, what's going on here? This is ridiculous. <laughs> Very helpful. <laughs> all right. So speaking, speaking of ridiculous, what the hell is offsides? Offsides. It's not, it's not that hard. It's really not. It's not like soccer where the offside line actually moves based on where the players yeah. are. Where, yeah. That's where the ridiculous. most forward player or whatever is. That yeah, is that's asinine. Out of I have no idea how they, soccer is such a weird game. Um, I like soccer. <laughs> I do like it, but it's, it's like hockey, but good. with a soccer ball. It's, it's like, it's like hockey, but not as good. It's how I see it. Um, <laughs> not as know, fast. If hockey didn't yeah. exist, I would love soccer, but <laughs> hockey does exist. And so it's just better in every way. But so, so basically the the offside lines are the blue lines right the center line okay. is red and then you got the two blue lines that separate the and neutral inside, zone from yeah, i was gonna the, say is that the neutral zone yes the, the neutral zone lines? is within okay. the two blue lines and then you have your either your offensive or defensive zone defending right which side of the 
the bunker on. And you got the red line going down the middle, and then you yep. have the red line at the goals, yeah, the which is the where you get your icing from and all that yes. stuff, right? Yeah, and, okay, yes, cool. exactly. And so the, the, the keys for offsides and icing are as follows. If the puck is on your side of the center line and it crosses all the way to the far center, goal the, the goal line, yeah, basically if it crosses, now. we're talking about icing. If it crosses yeah. two red lines, that's yeah. considered an icing. Um, and it'll what come right down. What about your what, goal what, line while your defense and then the center red line? That no, not icing? That's okay. okay. So it, that, okay, that used to be a penalty. That Not a penalty, huh. but that used to be a call back in, in the early 2000s and the 90s and 80s and stuff. That was called a two-line pass. Huh. Where they were trying to keep people from just like shooting it all the way out there, but they but they basically said that's just like causing unnecessary stoppages and slowing the yeah. game down. We yeah. already have offside to prevent you... cherry picking. Like, yeah, exactly. It was just it was kind of unnecessary. They got rid of that. Back it. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, it's weird. Um, offside, on the other hand, are the blue lines, right? And so the the rule is you cannot advance into your the attacking zone, the offensive zone, ahead of the puck. Right. If you get in ahead of the puck, that's offside. It's very straightforward. No part of your body, like at least I'm sorry, that's not true. And that, and maybe this is where it gets a little confusing. As long as there's a part of your body behind the blue line, you're still considered to be onside. Right. Uh, so that's why you'll see guys coming down the line like this, like their legs, like oh, yeah, yeah, way yeah. Back. back, like figure skaters, like the slow mo with the puck in their <laughs> yes. leg and stuff like that. Before. Yes. As long as that foot is behind the line when the puck comes across, they're all right. But if you're completely in the offensive zone before the puck, that's offside and the and the play is blown dead. And, and the, so the, the spirit of the rule is to keep people from camping in the other yes, side and you yes, shooting a puck picking. over to them. Yeah, so that that way you don't just say, well, I'm just going to leave a guy right down here in front of the goalie, and as soon as my guy gets it, he's just going to whip it down here. And now you're defensively, like, you have to choose. Do you want to keep a guy down here with him and only attack with four? Right. Like, so that's what it is. You do still see people try to take advantage and time it just right so that they leave the zone when your guy gets possession to hit him with what's called like a home run pass. So they get it like right as they're getting to the blue line so that they're not offside. So you can still take advantage of that sort of thing, like a cherry picking situation if you're smart about it, but it takes a lot more skill to actually pull it off. And your yeah. defense actually has a chance to say, hey, what's this guy doing? I better get back. Got so that, that's how that works. Um, offsides is something um, I know we're going to get to challenges here in a, in a little bit. Um, offside is something that can be challenged by the coach. Um, and that can be easily people... reviewed, right? With the camera, you just yes, they see have whether or very not. they have very good goal line cameras now, and um, they can see pretty clearly whether you were there. What they also have decided, I think it was just this year, is that before you had to have your foot like touching the ice. Right now, they treat the the offside line the way they do like the end zone in football, mm, that it mm-hmm. extends into the air along the line. So as, as long as, as your just, yeah your leg is back, it doesn't actually have to be on the ice. Because there mm. was there's a couple of controversial ones in the past where like okay, the guy's foot was behind the line, but was it touching the ice or was it like yeah, this far you, off? You and like see that yeah. So they they kind of tried they're trying to clean that up. I think they've done a better job of it this year. I actually think the rule has helped. We haven't seen a lot of controversial offside calls as much. Cool. That makes sense. Well, Smiley, you mentioned... Do you want to uh, go... 
Challenge? Do you want to go into challenges and timeouts? Yeah, and that's actually what I was what? I was going to ask you about that. Um, Van and I were watching a game the other day, and we noticed they never take timeouts, and uh, <laughs> and then we saw something where there was a challenge, and it was all very confusing. <laughs> okay, so this is good. It's not as bad as it sounds. It's a much better system than say like basketball, where they each get like six timeouts or eight timeouts or something, and they just call timeout incessantly down the stretch. And so the last two minutes of the game last thirty-five real-time minutes because all you're doing is calling timeouts. Um, each team gets one timeout for the mm. game. It cannot be called after an icing. They changed that recently to give your guys a chance to rest. Um, and it's also used for a challenge. Uh, a coach can challenge one of two situations. They can challenge offsides if they think the play was offside. They can challenge goaltender interference if they believe there's goaltender mm. interference. That's what you generally see is the goaltender interference one. Um, uh, the the refs have gotten very good with the offside, I feel like. That bit us in the ass. Not as much. In the last series against the Wild. The goaltender interference one? Yeah. Yeah. The thing that, so they implemented challenges a couple of years ago, and it was interesting because you were given one challenge per game, and if you, if you didn't get it, you lost your timeout. And then after that, if you needed to challenge again and you failed, it was a two-minute penalty. But because of this, most teams were feeling like, I've got a challenge to use. And so almost yeah. every game, anything yeah. that was even like remote, like, could it be off? Oh, it was kind of close. Could that have been yeah. interference? Been someone? Yeah. Like, let's try it and see. And because especially goalie interference is probably the most subjective call. Hmm. It is very inconsistent. It's hard to know. Like, every, I swear every game I'm like, I've, I've probably got less than 50% accuracy in guessing whether or not they're going to overturn a goalie interference call. Like it is hard to know what they're like. There's times when I'm like, there's no way. And they're like, Oh yeah, we're going to call we're, we're, we see interference there. And I'm times when it's like, well, yesterday it was just like that. And they said, yes. And they're like, Nope, no interference here. Yeah. So because of that, they were just throwing all kinds of stuff out. And mm. because it was so inconsistent, it was, people were very upset about it. And so they changed it to be now you don't lose your time out anymore. If you challenge, but if you're wrong, it's a two-minute penalty for delaying the game. Hmm. So if you challenge, that's you know, smart. yeah, Sucked. and all of a sudden you smart. notice there aren't that many challenges unless yeah. like a team like you see it more now if a team really feels like there was interference or if it's like a backbreaker goal. If it's like okay, this is going to put us down three, we right. have to challenge here because <laughs> okay, you know, if we don't get it, we're toast regardless. Hmm. So, yeah. but those are the only two things you can really challenge, I believe, is, is offside and, and goaltender interference. So you don't see it that much, but it does happen from time to time. And timeouts, right. so, you, you just get, you have one. Go, the right. co coaches tend to save it for the very end of the game. So like if you're down by a goal or even maybe up by a goal and your guys on the ice need a rest, whether it's your offensive or defensive guys, more often offensively, right? Like you're down by a goal. You need to play your goaltenders may be pulled. There's 30 seconds left. Your main guys have been out there for the last minute trying to get the goal. And now they're gassed. You get the timeout. You give your guys a chance to rest. You draw up a play. You try to get that equalizer goal. Um, you cannot, unlike some games like basketball, you cannot call a timeout. Um, while play is going on. So timeout is only wow. in while the play is already stopped. You can extend it for six. I think it's a 60 second timeout. So 
Does that answer oh. that question? Yeah. And yes, there we are actual plays. Quickly, like, one more. Yeah. All right, let's combo this one real quick. Yeah. What the heck is the purpose of the coach, if you can quickly? And then are there actual plays like in football, basketball, where they strategically write on a whiteboard yes. what they expect people to Absolutely. do? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. There are. Almost always they come in off of face-offs. Once – you know, once you kind of get mixed up, who knows? But like, there there are definitely set plays, especially off the draw, right? When you win a face-off, you talk a lot of times. They talk about it in advance, and people will go to certain spots where it's like it's an opportunity to say, if I can win this back to my guy on the point, he knows exactly where everyone's going, so he can make mm-hmm. a pass to you know a certain spot, knowing that somebody's going to be there. I've seen be that a thousand times. Yes, like and wins a the face-off. Time- just right away ricochets to the other side right. of the rink. There's somebody yep. there and he's banking it. It's Ready like, for it. exactly. you had they, to plan that. There's no way right. that was by accident. Yep. And that's, and that's why those defense, those offensive zone faceoffs or conversely defensive zone faceoffs yeah. are so important because if you lose that faceoff, you're basically giving the team a chance to execute a play that they're, right. that has maybe a little bit better chance of success than normal course of play. Right. Just, um, yeah. Right. Uh, coach, the coach, the, um, coach does a lot of things, right? Uh, I probably can't get to everything a coach does, but primarily the coach is, is in charge of not only ordering the lines, but choosing who to rolls out. They're, they're basically the ultimate arbitrary of playing time, right? Which line's going out next? Which defensive pair is going out next? Who's on the ice after this faceoff or, or in this situation? They're the ones kind of orchestrating that. Obviously, they get their timeouts and their challenges, um, and obviously they do it a ton during the week. Um, preparing the team, each coach, like there yeah, are it, it may, and all that other stuff. I, it, yeah. it may not look like it, especially when you first get into hockey, because the game's so fast and so much is going around, but there are different systems. There's different coaching systems. There's different coaching styles that different, you know, different coaches have different philosophies that, that kind of change the way your team plays, what they're trying to do, how, how they attack in the offensive zone how they come back and defend in the defensive zone there's these are they're all kinds of different strategies and layouts and you know who cover like you know whether you play like even like in football whether you play like a zone defense versus a man-to-man defense that's a thing in hockey different coaches have different opinions on it so they do a lot of stuff that maybe you don't realize behind the scene um you also have assistant coaches that tend to focus on like specialty teams, like your power play and your penalty kill, you know, the main, the head coach, depending on their strengths may delegate that kind of stuff to a secondary coach to, to really work with the power play teams and draw up plays for the power play. Um, so yeah, so I, I know we're out of time, but the last yeah. question I have is, and it, it, it's uh, in line with this, uh, what we're talking about. So are plays being called by the line in the moment? Or is Generally. like the ref shouting him from the sideline or anything like that? Or oh, you mean the coach? The coach like Plan B? Yeah, sorry, the coach. I don't think the ref tells him what to do. <laughs> no, yeah, he shouldn't. Take the shot. Take the shot. <laughs> it's definitely a bit of both. It depends who's on the uh, who the who the coaches, who the players mm-hmm. are, how experienced. But just like when football, right? Like with a young quarterback, yeah, that makes sense. Right? Yep. The coach is going to be a much more involved. Be a little got, more, yeah. If you've got a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady or somebody yeah, you're, there, you're letting him do his game. <laughs> they're a little bit more autonomous. And it's the same right. thing, you know. Like the coach maybe will give a general thing, and then when, you, but you see players all the time talking before face off talking to each other pointing yeah. you know, blah, 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 blah. what are they saying they're planning that kind of stuff they're saying you know if this goes this way i'm going to do this you know or we're going to run this play and if i lose it we're going to run that play and just be ready for that so 
feel like you've really demystified the game in this past hour, Smiley. I I feel like so. I hope it was helpful and not just me yapping. Especially especially the last answer. I always assumed when players were talking before face off, they were like, "Man, Petretti's such a funny name," or you know, "What uh, who would name their kid (laughs) Landis right now?" You know, (laughs) Petriangelo. Have you seen his new commercial? Yeah. (laughs) How's the wife? How's the kids? Yeah. Uh, You guys working more for dinner tomorrow? All right. Yeah. Where are we going? Where are we going after the game? We we We, uh, Freddy's or what? Ooh, it's good stuff i like it yeah. all right well you know if there's any other question if there's a burning question we didn't get to maybe make a great question of the day next week well let's see um all right i don't well, know how we um, would answer that if we don't know, <laughs> we don't know about yeah well yeah i guess well, we always invite the audience to yeah, yeah that's true yeah that we could take a guess what's what do you guess. think this means <laughs> and then i'll tell you if you're right yeah, be exactly. fun. Yeah. oh yeah it's just saying it wouldn't help you and me at all <laughs> <laughs> all right well um do you guys have anything else before we before we wrap it go, up here? man that was awesome all right. Good well, job. you know, if you have a question, the AMA is open to Smiley, uh, to our listeners. You know, if you've got something, shoot, uh, hit us up. You know, we have an email address. It's focustargetpodcast at gmail.com. That would be the best place to ans- ask your questions. I will answer them personally if I get them. Anything you want to know about hockey, I'll, I'll try to answer it for you. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter at Focus Target. We've got a YouTube page, Focus Target Podcast. And of course, we are streaming live on Stretch on Twitch. Not not. Not on the Switch. Not on the Switch no. Pro. Not, not on the Super Nintendo Switch. Maybe one day. But right now, twitch.tv backslash focus target podcast. Uh, you can join us. Uh, obviously, we're uh, going Friday. We had some scheduling conflicts this week. Uh, normally, we try to be rolling out on Tuesdays. So <laughs> that's what we're going to try to get back to next week. So thank you for joining us for Season 3, Episode 92. I am your host, Smiley. This is Shy. Now, Ben, as always, cover us, Porkins. We're out.